Hello and welcome to Servant's Heart Chapel. I am Pastor Daryl, and I hope today's episode is a special blessing to you. Going through Romans, uh, the first 11 chapters, Paul is building this case, of this reality that that is before us the fact that none of us are innocent all of us have sinned at one point and fallen short of god's perfect perfect standard and we're all we have all stood guilty before the lord and he pointed out it didn't matter if you're a gentile or jew everybody was guilty but at the same time he brings this thread of hope and mercy throughout the whole 11 chapters this, this reality that though we are lost, God had a plan that involved Jesus giving himself for us. This wonderful reality that we're saved because of what Jesus did for us. And so in, uh, in chapter 12, Paul answers this question, the question, what now? What is our proper response? Chapter 12 is so full, I don't know how far I'll get today. I was listening to one preacher who spent an entire sermon just on the first two verses. I don't think I'll be going that digging that deep. But it's a deep chapter. You could probably spend a great deal of time, months, just studying Chapter 12. So what does Paul say? You know, Paul in this... You know, Paul ends chapter 11 with this verse, verse 36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So then he says, therefore, in conclusion to... As a result of everything that I've said before, I'm going to say something here. He says, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. He lays it on the line. See, there's a very clear line about those who just want to play church and those who want to live as a servant of Christ. Those who just want to wear a cross and those who want to carry the cross. And Paul is going to point out, as I go through this chapter, I encourage you to take notes. Or at least make a mental note as we go through the verses and, 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 and we see the admonitions. Just do a self-assessment. Where do I stand with this? Because there's a whole lot of Christian standards. That if you're just playing church, you're going to fall sh short on. If you're just playing games with God, you're going to fall short on. If there, there's a difference, and you can see these two different Christians, it's very obvious, if even the world sees the difference. The 
world of sinners, those who don't believe in the Bible at all will, will ask you, I thought you were a Christian. Why are you doing that? Why are you watching that mo- kind of movie or listening to that kind of music? Sinners, even sinners know something's not quite right. And then you find those Christians, there's something about them and people want to know more about and even they disagree with their lifestyle they hold them up hey this person is some is somebody worth listening to what's that difference that difference is right here the 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 crux of it is in this very first verse presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice for 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 hundreds of years, the, the Jewish people presented dead sacrifices to God for their sins. And, and now we are called to present a living sacrifice, presenting ourselves as a sacrifice to God based on God's mercies. Everything we, we don't deserve, uh, all the stuff we don't deserve we do get, and, and what we do deserve, we don't get based on God's mercies. Not, not out of any merit of our own, but, but solely out of God's mercy. To present, our, that, that present yourself, he says. That's a responsibility on our part. That's not something God does for you. That's what you do yourself. That's an act of the will. I want to present myself to God. For His use. As a living sacrifice. To say, I belong to God. I no longer belong to myself. It's living, it's dynamic and ongoing. It's not a one-time event. In fact, Paul said, I die daily. Every day we get up and say, okay, I'm presenting myself today to God as a living sacrifice. To be holy in obedience to God. In all areas of our life, as God shines light on our life, we're expected to be obedient to Him. And pleasing to God, it says. Some people appear to be pleasing, but are not pleasing to God. In fact, I'm reading uh, Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis. We might read that as a group. I hadn't read it since college, and I'm really enjoying it. I think you would too. But uh, Kempis uh, says something, I, I read something from him just the other day, uh, that I was intrigued by, and I, this is a paraphrase. I don't have the exact uh, quote memorized, but it was along the lines of, uh, what you wear on the outside doesn't, doesn't make, make you holy. It's what's on the inside that makes you holy. We have some people who think if they do all the certain things on the outside, if they have a certain look to them, then, then, then they're holy. They shun uh, certain things. Uh, if they look different enough from the world, they, 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 they're holy. And, and their inside is not holy at all. Their heart's not holy at all. I agree with that. 
So pleasing to God, living sacrifice, holy. It says this is your true worship. To say there's true worship would infer or imply that there's a fake worship. You see, just coming to church and singing a few songs and, and, and that's not worship itself. That's what we do to worship. You see, we present ourselves as a living sacrifice of God because of everything He's done for us. He's worth us giving ourselves to Him. He's worth it. That's where the word worship comes from. Worth-ship. So God is worthy, worthy of me giving myself over to Him. All my decisions are His. My behaviors are His. My actions, my thoughts, my priorities, how I spend my money, how I spend my time, it's all God's. That's true worship. Then Paul says in verse 2, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. There's a big push to be conformed to this age. We see it so strong right now. They're canceling anybody they possibly can, get anybody fired they can, get anybody's business destroyed that, that rejects their, uh, their ideology and pushing us to reject the Bible as, as an authority of truth. But we're admonished. And, and by the way, it wasn't really any different in Paul's day. The same stuff was going on. There was a lot of coercion to go along with things. What's the big deal? Just, 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 you know, bow to the idol. Make everybody happy. There was a conflict in early Christianity because there were some Christians who capitulated and others didn't and they lost eyes and they got flogged and, and, and left lame and, and some even died. And so there was a lot of discussion. Those who capitulated, should they be led back into the church? So we're seeing those same pressures now, 2,000 years later, after being spoiled for so long, living in a country that for a long time was primarily had Christian ideologies, we're spoiled. It's become easy. Very little conflict to be a Christian. And so now we need to go back to this and remind ourselves and not be conformed to this age. But, here's the contrast to that. Be transformed. 
That transformation work is God's work. But is that the word be there indicates our involvement in it. We have to let God transform us. We, we can't just be dismissive when the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. something in church and think, man, that kind of hit me right between the eyes and, and then leave church and kind of forget about it. But be transformed by, here's the method, the renewing of your mind. The transfer, someone gets serious with God and this transformation occurs. Their priorities change, their philosophy changes. Things that were important before aren't so important anymore. Their friends complain they talk about God too much. Oh, you're becoming a fanatic. There's a trend. What's, occur what's occurred? A renewing of their mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing... Or here's the purpose. So you may discern what is good and pleasing and perfect will of God. So we can figure it out. We want, we want to present ourselves to the Lord and, and, allow, and not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by God, by His Holy Spirit, as we study His Word and spend time with Him in prayer. We're transformed, and our mind is renewed, but there's a purpose to it, so we can understand what God's will is. So then, from this point, Paul kind of takes a, a shift. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think himself more highly than he should think. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Think about this for a second. We kind of read scripture and just kind of gloss over. Sometimes I like to think, you know, what was the author thinking when, when they put this down? What was in their mind? Because he first talking about present yourself to God. Then he talks about prideful people. There's got to be a connection. You see, when, you're, when you think you've got everything figured out and no one can teach you anything, not even God, you don't get very far. And you're certainly not presenting yourself to God as a living sacrifice. I like that he says, for by the grace given to me. This is a, a, a humble statement from him. He's saying he's, he, he's been given authority to instruct on this, but it's by grace, not by any ability of his own. God has uh, elected him to, to give these instructions And then he said, continues in verse 3, Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we who are many 
are one body in Christ and individually members of one another according to the grace given to us. We have different gifts. We're all part of one body in Christ, interacting together. That's one of the reasons why it's so important for us to spend time together, because how can you interact together if we're not together? How can we fulfill uh, the word God sets for us in his mission if we're not together? So it begins these different gifts. What gift has God given you? What function do you serve in the body of Christ? A lot of people, they don't think about that at all. They look at church as a consumer product. What, what can the church do for me? Like I saw on Facebook not too long ago, one woman was looking for a good church, and one of her requirements was it had a, a specifically a women's Bible study and a program for her, her, her daughter. You need a pretty big church to have a bunch of separate programs like that. I think it would be better to find a church that preaches the truth, loves Jesus, and loves one another. In fact, that's why I tell people when, when they're looking for a church, over the years I've had friends, and I tell them, I said, make sure it preaches the truth. And you'll know when you first walk in because it feels like home. What gift? And he says that, continuing verse 6 of prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. Prophecy in and. In relation to speaking to others to edify moral improvement. Or to exhort, to call to action. And to comfort. In essence, it's preaching. But he says, do it according to one's faith. I, I see, I read this as according to where you're at in your spiritual maturity. It can be easy for a young preacher to bite off more than he can chew and then run into problems. I had that happen when I first, I was in tech school and we were at a Wesleyan church and, and I was still felt like God called me to preach. I just didn't know what that looked like. And the preacher asked, you know, found out that I had a heart for ministry and asked me to uh, create a, uh, an outreach program for the church. And I was all, I'm sure, I'll 
be glad to do that. And, and, and they talked with, with the church congregation. Everybody thought it was a great idea, but nobody wanted to actually do any work on it. Nobody wanted to lift a finger. And I, I, I tried to encourage them. And I tried to I tried to fix it. I even I I spoke privately with with one of the, the, the men there. Just trying to ask him, can you help me with this? It wasn't until later I found out that he took offense at that. If, if I knew then what I know now, I would have told the pastor, no thank you. But... I didn't have a de development to, to, to know that, so I got, I bit off more than I could chew. So that's what Paul encourages. And that can be applied to really any Christian. We have to be careful. Verse uh, 7, if, if service, use it in service. The service, such as cooking, cleaning, helping those in need, maintenance. These are all acts of service. It says it use it in service. Can, can service be used in other ways? Yeah. If you have ulterior motives... If you're trying to obligate someone else to do you a favor or maybe gain favor to achieve some other objective, anything other than a servant's heart. If teaching, in teaching, these are actually two different words in the Greek. One is one is exhortation, and the other is admonition and encouragement, and comfort. So when you when you edify somebody else, let it be of value to their souls. We don't want to when you get just a critical. Some people would get in a critical spirit. And, and they may see an actual shortfall in somebody. But because they have the wrong attitude, it doesn't help at all. We want to do it gently, in love, in an encouraging, encouraging way. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence to be consistent in leadership, if that's your gift. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. You know, God does that too. God's merciful to us, and it's not begrudging. 
He cheerfully is merciful to us. Isn't that wonderful? Continue in verse 9. We're not going to finish a chapter today. We'll just continue it tomorrow, or not tomorrow, but yeah, tomorrow we'll have church tomorrow too. Let love be without hypocrisy. All too often, smile and kind words are, are fake. It's a facade. Kind of reminded me of the first Peanuts comic by Charles Schultz. Two kids are sitting on a sidewalk and a curb and, and Charlie Brown starts to walk by and the boy says, there goes Charlie Brown, good old Charlie Brown. And after he passes and says, I hate Charlie Brown. A lot of people are like that. We're not to be though. We're called to something higher. So our love is, is to be without hypocrisy. We're also to detest evil. Detesting is an interesting word. To abhor something. To have a horror of. I actually detest horror movies. I find even the commercials, if, they, if I happen to come across one, I find it detestable. It turns my stomach. So I guess I guess horror movies then have uh, live up to their name because I have a horror of horror movies. We're supposed to feel the same way about sin. It's supposed to turn our stomach. And it's e easy over time to become used to things. And we need to ask God to help heal our conscience so, so it's not so common to us. And God will do that. Paul says, cling to what is good. We want to do that. And verse 10 I'll finish with this. It says, Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. And like siblings, we will occasionally annoy one another, but we forgive and love each other like family because we are family. In Christ. So I'm going to hit the pause button on chapter 12. There's so much here. I encourage you to spend some time doing some deep study on it. It's a wonderful. If you take it seriously, and really surrender your life to Christ, it will be absolutely life-changing.
Let us stand. Well, that's all for today. I hope it was a blessing to you. I do have one more thing to add. Uh, I have recently published a book entitled Stop Poisoning Yourself, Finding Joy in All Circumstances. Few of us realize the impact uh, our thoughts have on our daily lives, how it impacts our emotions, our relationships, including our relationship with God. Uh, in this book, I, I go through. It's a very short, easy to read book. I go through what the Bible says about it, how and what we can do uh, to eliminate poisonous thoughts in our lives. So, to, if you're interested, go check it out on Ken, uh, Amazon Kindle's website. You'll find it there. Just search for "Stop Poisoning Yourself" by Daryl Underwood. Enjoy your week. Have a wonderful day.